This presentation is from UX Australia 2016, held in Melbourne. For more presentations from this and other conferences, please visit uxaustralia.com.au. All right, um, so this is Kayla. She works at Seek. And clearly, today she's going to talk about how flawed we all are. That's what it's about, isn't it? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. All right, thanks a lot. <laughs> thanks, Donna. <laughs> Yes, so um, no one sets out to intentionally design something that's hard to use, or at least I hope you don't. Um, and we definitely don't set out to design something that excludes or worse, discriminates against particular users. We're trying our best. You're probably a good person. I mean, you chose to be in this room, like you're awesome. Um, there is a but coming, though. Like, I know you can sense it, but you're biased. You're definitely biased. I'm definitely biased. We're all biased. So, a father and a son are involved in a horrific car accident and a man dies at the scene. When the child arrives at the hospital and is rushed into the operating theatre, the surgeon pulled away and said, I can't operate, this is my son. How can that be? Like, yell out, there's some participation. Right, it's the mum. Sometimes it takes people a surprisingly long time to come up with that because we are unconsciously biased. Interestingly, people kind of go, oh, it's a trick. Um, the, the son has two dads. So, like, we're cool with same-sex couples having uh, kids, which we should be, but, you know, women can't be doctors. Our unconscious biases are still back there. Um, and this doesn't mean that you actively really think women can't be doctors. You're not actively sexist. It just illustrates unconscious biases that we weren't necessarily aware of. Um, so an unconscious, uh, unconscious bias or an implicit bias is something that happens subconsciously, automatically, quickly. Our brains make quick judgments based on past experiences, background, cultural environments and personal experiences. So we're bombarded with 11 million pieces of information at one time, so our brain has to make these decisions quickly and we only are consciously dealing with about 40 bits of information. Um, which psychologist David Kahneman describes as system one and system two thinking. So system one thinking is quick, automatic, impulsive. You don't really have to think about it. It just happens. Whereas system two thinking actually requires your attention. It's going to burn more calories. Um, so your brain doesn't want to do that. It, it wants to preserve them. You have to focus and have uh, reasoning. So you hear a rustle in the trees, system one thinking kicks in, and you're like, right, fight or flight, I've got to deal with this, and yes, there's something very blurry in that tree. Uh, it's the same reason that you might duck or hide around a corner when someone's shooting at you in time crisis on the PS1, or whatever updated reference, I don't know, this is the last video game I played. Um, and you know it's irrational to be ducking and, and hiding, but your body is like, get me out of danger, something is coming. And it's probably okay to turn around when you see this person uh, in, the, in, in an alleyway. But what this person looks like is playing into your subconscious biases. I really love this one guy four ways. So, um, you know, top guy, normal. I might not walk away from him. Statistically, he's probably more likely to kill me being a, a male. But um, I'm not going to walk away from him. He's safe. Uh, hipster. Yeah, a bit scary. Maybe scary. Whatever. There's another photo of him where you actually see him without, because he's shaved half his head and half his beard. 
um, weirdo walk away from him. But, uh, you know, this just kind of shows um, when my partner shaves his head or wears a hoodie, people treat him differently. And, you know, he's the same person. And what the... Uh, and these biases are different. So there was a recent podcast uh, on NPR about two women walking down the street and they saw a group of uh, African-American-looking men. The white woman said, oh, we should, you know, walk away. And the black woman was like, no, I'm safe. I'm, I'm now with my people. They're, they're going to save me if something goes wrong, whereas the white woman found them as a source of danger, which is an example of the affinity bias. We feel comfortable with people who are like us, you have things in common with them, you instantly like them, you kind of come up with reasons to like them. Uh, it's the reason that Willie literally doesn't care that Homer is breaking into his house slash workplace because he's also from North Kilt Town. Um, another bias is confirmation bias, which is the tendency to seek information that conforms to our pre-existing beliefs and assumptions. It's the tendency to see something and be like, see... Asians can't drive, or black guys are great at basketball, I'm running, and whatever, after the, Olympi uh, the Olympics recently. Instead of objectively going when someone who's not Asian cuts you off or who's not black wins a race, going, see, not everyone is. <laughs> so uh, the availability heuristic also feeds into this. You're more likely going to think of an example. Um, the more likely I to believe that it's happening more often. What's this a picture of? Yeah. Who's it? Duck, rabbit. Um, this is the perception bias. Once you see it one way, you can't necessarily see it the other way. And on first glance, if you see the duck or the rabbit, um, you, you have no reason to think that it's something else. Like, why, why would you think your senses aren't real? Yes, it's definitely a duck. Yeah, cool. Um, so what do these unconscious biases lead to when we let them seep into our design or just into the real world? The gender gap, TM. Um, <laughs> studies showing that our resumes with, or average resumes with typical white name candidates get more callbacks than uh, really skilled candidate resumes with typical black names. The Heidi Howard problem, so given a case study, completely equal, only thing changed is the name, they receive different performance reviews. Heidi's not liked. She's, a, she's too assertive. That's not good in a woman. Howard, yes, he's assertive. He's doing what he's meant to do, whereas Heidi comes off as aggressive when she's assertive. And the odd fact that over 60% of US CEOs are greater than six foot tall while um, less than 15% of the American population is. This could be the affinity bias. There's a whole bunch of things coming into play here. <laughs> so in the absence of detailed information, we work off assumptions of who the user is, what they do, and what type of system would meet their needs. Following these assumptions, we tend to design for ourselves and not for other people. And when our teams look like this, this is Apple's board, but it could be any IT's board now. Very homogenous. We lack diversity. We design for ourselves. We end up with products that are male-first design, white-first design, and able-first design. So, crash test dummies. No, not those ones. Yes, 90s Canadian rock fans. They're my people. Crash test dummies. 
when the regulations came out for um, car safety in the 1960s, regulators wanted to have two crash test dummies, um, the 95 percentile male and the 5 percentile female, meaning that only 5 percent of men were larger and 5 percent of women were smaller. But that's too much overhead. They didn't want to do that. So they pushed back, and uh, the requirement was reduced to a single crash test dummy, which is a 50 percentile man, the average man, which is uh, why female drivers are 47 percent more likely to be injured in a car crash than children. This has started a shift, but female crash test dummies weren't required until 2011. So I'm really reconsidering my 1999 Ford. Um, who's cold in the office, like, all the time? Show of hands. Literally all women. No men. Oh, no, one man. <laughs> um, the algorithms that determine the optimal office temperature were designed in the 1960s, when everyone in the office was a 70-kilo man. Us women with our lower muscle mass naturally feel colder in the office. And I love this. Uh, this T-shirt is by Iconspeak, designed to help you communicate in foreign countries by pointing to an icon of what you want. So like, ah, I need to go to the, um, the toilet, all these icons, I have to really awkwardly point to my chest. <laughs> uh, I mean, I could just be respectful and learn a few words in the language, but this T-shirt is not designed for me. Uh, airplane weight assumptions. I recently learned about this, and this kind of freaked me out. Um, Tuesday, I was flying up to Sydney, and they ask you for your gender. Well, that's interesting. What they use it for is a um, complex table of uh, the capacity that the aircraft can travel based on average weights from a 1970s study by the Civil Aviation Authority, which means that as a female on a plane, I should weigh about 66 kilos. I weigh a little bit more than that. Uh, if it's the difference between the airplane going down and not, I will tell you how much I weigh. And they wouldn't let us move on the flight, and they said, it's balanced. We know that it's an empty flight, but you can't change seat because we've balanced it. And then I looked across at the girl, and I went, oh, my God, she's half my size. The plane's going to go down. <laughs> it was fine. But, you know, it's kind of worrying. Um, so that's kind of male first design. Um, we've got white first design. So film, like, like film, <laughs> I don't know. I, I figure most people in this room know what film is, but physical film made of plastic chips and chemicals. Um, when they were developing the chemicals that were sensitive to different types of light, wave that, light waves uh, to develop it, they needed to come up with the correct colour balance. So they had the Shirley card. This was used to determine the accuracy of colours. So to match Shirley's skin tone, and you can't see it on this screen, but that says colour balance normal, anything else not normal, uh, was to achieve correct colour balance. So darker skin tones were out of sync, um, mixed-race individuals didn't show up great, and particularly photos with a group of people with um, different skin tones. And we still kind of have this problem today with our modern cameras, and this is the only problem a mixed-race couple should face. Um, and we, we haven't nailed it either. The HP smart camera um, is meant to follow your face, and it worked great on someone who looked like me, but someone who was darker, it couldn't track their face. Finally, in the 1970s, Kodak came up with um, uh, mixed-race Shirley's, but not in response to the racial divide, because furniture manufacturers couldn't show the difference between different stains of, strains, stains of wood 
and chocolate advertisers couldn't showcase milk or dark chocolate as separate. So we got there, but not the right way. And unfortunately, white is still default in many lines of products. These are skin color stockings. This is nude concealer, skin color pencil. Um, my niece's half Indian, beautiful olive skin that I wish I had, uh, doesn't burn. Um, and she was coloring in, and I said, oh, what color is that? And she goes, skin color. And then she thought for a second and said, your skin color, not mine. Um, so even in a you know, four-year-old child, it's, it's ingrained. So people are biased. Design is not neutral. How tech is applied is inherently biased. Everything I've showed you so far isn't really a tech example. So let's look at some. When the Apple Watch first came out, it told you to stand up every hour. Imagine being in a wheelchair. And you get this notification over and over again, every hour, on the hour. Stand up for a minute. Go on. Stand up. They fixed this. It now tells you to go for a roll. Uh, picking on Apple. The heart rate reader doesn't work consistently or accurately on individuals with dark skin or dark tattoos. And if you look at that all whiteboard, I don't think any of them are rocking some, uh, some tattoos on their wrists. Periods. They make all the men feel awkward. In case you haven't already, when I'm like, why male design? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Um, so women have been counting their cycles for decades, centuries, maybe millennia. Um, stars or fake names on calendars and diaries to indicate the upcoming event. And there are hundreds of period tracking uh, apps in the App Store. And normally when there's something doing so successful in the App Store, Apple incorporates it into their own iOS, like the flashlight and the alarms. But when they build an app to see your whole health picture and all the metrics that matter most... Um, they missed a basic health feature for half the world. A company where just 22% of technical roles are filled by women neglected menstruation, which is a barometer for women's health. Hi, you forgot about me. Um, by iOS 9, they remembered to include this. And following in the trend of women in release 2, Mickey Mouse watch faces was available on watch OS 1. Minnie had to wait. Uh, it's not just Apple. Let me pick on Google, YouTube. When they launched their video upload for iOS, between 5 and 10% of videos were uploaded upside down. Well, that's because if I'm right-handed, I'm going to film like this. But if I'm left-handed, I'm blocking the camera, so I'm going to turn it this way, upside-down video. The predominantly right-handed development team hadn't tested with any left-handed individuals. 10% of the population... 10% of the videos. Oh, Snapchat. This is... Um, it's meant to make you look like an anime character was their excuse. They didn't say, sorry, yeah, we realised we really stuffed up here. They, they just, oh, whoops, no, you're meant to be an anime character, not some incredibly racist stereotype. So I said it before, women can be doctors. Yet someone sat down and wrote a line of code that said, if sex equals female and title equals doctor, throw an error or a confirmation message. So this is uh, Dr. Selby and her gym card would not let her into the female locker room because she's a doctor, so she must be male, therefore not allowed in there. Uh, the Cambridge gym responded, oh, we've found a bug. 
No, that's not a bug. That's someone writing a line of code. And similarly, ETACs uh, needed a confirmation if you entered a spouse of the same sex in 2010. And uh, name validation, I like this one. Childhood best friend, Joe. Sorry, must be four characters. Sorry, Joe, got to find a new childhood best friend. I like to think about the conversation that the devs had. What's the longest name you can think of? Oh, I don't know, like three? Yeah. <laughs> like, what's happening? Um, and Typeform gives you the option to allow a user to specify their own gender if they select other, which is awesome. Wait, what is that? There's a tooltip there. What does it say? Allow the user to write his own gender. Oh, my God. So close. It's like, it's like the well-meaning redneck. It doesn't matter what color you are, if you're, you know, yellow, white, black, or normal. Oh, you're so close. But no. So uh, who's under 34 in the room? Okay. Keep your hand up if you're in a junior position. All right, a few hands went down. We get a bad rap in the media, us millennials. And this form just made that bias really obvious. Are you entry-level millennial or are you supervisor, junior management? I mean, I know a few people who would struggle to fill this in. Mr. Zuck, under 34, and pretty much all the Silicon Valley current hot uh, things, young white founders. Under 34, can't fill that in. What about algorithms? There's some really bad examples I'm going to show you all. So Flickr labelled this image as an ape with their auto-tagging. That's really bad. But then two months later, Google's photo auto-suggests tags. Gorillas. Do you not see Flickr's bad media and go, Let, let's run some images through of people of colour to just check what happens? Did someone blink? Bad. And then just Google search anything. Women, only white women. Men, only white men. CEO, mostly men. Mostly white men. Yes. Look, look at you all. And the first woman to show up is Bobby. Yeah. <laughs> That's just so bad. Um, so that Google has fixed this one. So this is a really blurry screenshot. Um, this is unprofessional hairstyles for work, mostly women of colour. Professional hairstyles for work, white women. Three black teenagers, three white teenagers. Yeah, I did that right. Um, and you may have seen the UN's uh, women campaign. These were real Google auto-suggests at the time. Women shouldn't have rights, vote, work. Women should be put in their place, be controlled. So Google has removed this functionality. If you write, woman shouldn't, it doesn't auto-suggest. And they've cleaned up a few things that they've had in the past. He invented. Is this Google's fault? <laughs> right, maybe. One could argue that um, Google is reflecting the attitudes of the public. It's a mirror to the racism, sexism in the world. When should they intervene like they have in woman, women should and women shouldn't? And if they did, are they creating filter bubbles and skewing the results? I don't really have the answers to these questions. But in general, we've seen that sexism, racism, and other forms of discrimination are being built into our algorithms. The other week, I found out my algorithm is racist, said Nate Carter, 
the MDV effective. He didn't intend to. He was running two creative sets, one white baby, one baby of colour, and whichever performed better would be shown more. People clicked on the white baby more, so it only showed the white baby. Now, it's not clear what if this is an unconscious bias, definitely, if it's overt racism, or maybe one baby just performed better than the other. Maybe it was facing the text versus facing the user, all these subtle cues that could make you uh, click on it. I'm not racist, but my unconscious bias has made me click on the white baby. So all I've spoken about so far is systems that are designed for people who aren't white men, which is like over half the population. I have not mentioned the one in six individuals with hearing loss in Australia, the 30,000 totally deaf, the 3,570 with blind or low vision, 2 million with dyslexia, and over 2.6 million uh, with physical disabilities. It's about one in five individuals in Australia have some form of disability. So what do we do? How do we reduce these biases? I'll start with algorithms. How you train your algorithm will have a huge impact on, how, on what biases are built into it, if any, especially in the case of machine learning algorithms. So if it learns by being fed certain images, and this is all that you feed it, it's going to have difficulty um, <clears throat> with non-white faces. So if the individuals choose the photos or if they're photos of the team or the white engineers, um, it'll have a harder time recognising non-white faces. So you need to train on a wide set of data. And this is the same for voice training. If you only t you know, test on the team and you don't have people with accents or um, speech impediments, uh, that, then these are going to be hard to use. And if you trained your, did you blink on people like this? <laughs> it's going to be hard to detect when Asian people are blinking, for example. You need, you, you need to test for emotion. In the case of Google and Flickr, they really should have um, brainstormed sensitive images to check and run them through to make sure that they're not hurtful. What uh, Flickr also did um, was label our switch as a gym which is, you know, not great. It's really easy to think of some images to run through. So how do we become better designers and make better designs? We know the users aren't us. We need to, we need to remember we are not the user. We need to slow down and step away from our shortcuts and try and consider things with real different from you users in mind. Try and invoke that system to thinking. Test with all the people. If your team is mostly white, young, then test on people different from you in terms of age, race, ability, um, to reveal these issues early. Identify your assumptions and test with people outside of these. So if YouTube had have tested with left-handed individuals, they would have caught that bug before it went out. Um, I like to talk to myself. <laughs> I like to read the copy aloud and check that it works in a nice dialogue with a real user. So if it's not something you'd say to someone in real life, rework it. If it comes across as condescending, rework it. With Typeform, just reading aloud that copy, allow user to change his gender, would have revealed that unconscious bias that stepped in. So this is something we're really trying to do at Seek. Um, okay, if we say, Congratulations, you just submitted your job application. 
and you got fired and you didn't want to be applying. It's probably not the kind of copy you want. A couple of weeks ago, I got a piece of copy from uh, Peter Mac trying to convince me to start my donations again with a lovely handwritten letter from a child who had survived from cancer two days after my uncle died of cancer. 1,500 people die of cancer per day. Maybe think you shouldn't send that in that tone. So, change your system thinking. What's two times two? Nice. 127 times eight. Right, panic. Pupils dilating, palms sweating. Why are you asking me this? Um, once upon a time, two times two, you would have had that same reaction when you were a child. But now it's system one thinking. We've become, yeah, two times two, it's four. It's the same with driving. You ever notice that you're like, oh, my God, I'm halfway to work. Well, I wasn't paying any attention. Whereas when you first started driving, it was the hardest thing ever. So while it sounds hard, we can move these things to different level of system thinking. I also like to talk to strangers. We already get in cars with strangers. We summon them with our smartphones. Uh, and since the Uber drivers want a higher rating, they talk to you. Uh, and um, I, I try and learn from them and learn new things from them. And again, particularly interesting with Seek is, oh, so, you know, do you, do you have another job? Why are you doing Uber? Um, talking to older people, ex-tradies, going, oh, I couldn't find a job. I didn't know what I could do, but I can do Uber because um, I'm not upskilled. Turn off your senses to turn on your empathy. So um, if you can't get in touch with the real users, try and, try and emulate what it's like for them. Mute your voice. Every th few weeks, I like to go to the Trade Block Cafe, uh, which is run at the Victorian Deaf College, where users work as part of their VCAL program. Uh, users. <laughs> Students. Um, so ordering my meal without my voice and having to sign is hard enough, and they have to live like this you know, every single day. So it makes you a bit more empathetic to deaf or mute users. Uh, block your ears. Through an unfortunate accident involving my work laptop and a banana, my speakers no longer work. Uh, so I found myself... <laughs> I haven't told IT. Um, <laughs> So I found myself using um, closed captions, which are horrible on so many videos, and realising how hard the internet is to use if you are deaf. Close your eyes. I had this idea based on Facebook's 2G Tuesdays um, to use my computer one morning a week without my mouse, with the screen off and voiceover on. I cheat all the time because it is so hard to use the web like this. And it's made me really passionate about making our designs more accessible, particularly with screen readers. Uh, call people out. We all make these slips. And often we don't even realise that we're saying certain things. So in our team, we've created a culture. Yes. <laughs> we've created a culture where we can call it out. Um, not really telling them off, but just raising awareness. So it's not, oh, that's racist, that's sexist. It's that phrase is a bit sexist. Um, so when we were watching anonymised user videos, we noticed that people would watch one of a um, technical role and refer to him as he, them as he. See? Did it. Uh, and then we'd watch uh, nurse roles or reception roles and refer to the user as a she. So we call it out. But then, literally, I told Mike off for doing it and then in the next sentence referred to someone as a she that we didn't know their gender. So we all do it. 
Think about your closest friends, your work friends. Uh, are most of them the same gender, similar age, similar marital status? I'm sorry, you're all distracted trying to find Wally now, aren't you? <laughs> I need a pointer. He's, he's like there behind the tail. <laughs> um, so probably, they're probably a lot like you. That's affinity bias in action. Um, so it's, and, and there's not anything wrong with that particularly, but it is good to expose yourself with different people. And there are plenty of opportunities to do this. Sit next to someone different to you on a bus or a train or whatever. Stay at the Airbnb with someone who not only looks different from you, like I still have the tendency to want to stay with a female, um, but I'm going to pick someone maybe of a different race, of a different industry, rather than staying with the young white designer who probably is a bit more affinity biased to um, expand my horizons, I guess. I can't remember the source of this, but I heard once of uh, the ketchup test. Where do you keep your ketchup or your tomato sauce? Fridge? Show of hands. Yeah, you're wrong. Uh, pantry. <laughs> Sorry. Pantry people. Yeah. <laughs> what? Really? I would like to talk to that after about you, talk about that with you after. I'm very interested. Um, so, yeah, I, I was trying to find the ketchup at work the other day. I'm looking. I'm like, where the hell is the ketchup? Oh, it's in the fridge. What are these people doing? Anyway, so um, I keep my ketchup in the pantry, and if there's not any left, I'm going to go to the store because I'm addicted. This is at the Heinz Museum in Pittsburgh. Yeah, addicted. But anyway, if I was going to get something else, you're going to reach for barbecue sauce or something that's in the pantry. If you're a fridge keeper, no sauce. Well, I've got some mayo or some mustard. You're going to bring a different solution based on where you keep things, based on your point of view. So if your team is homogenous, you might all come up with the same ideas. What can you do? Um, oh, sorry. You make worse products with a monoculture, particularly when it doesn't match your audience, like we saw with Snapchat's filter. So what can you do to make your team less homogenous? Well, if you're responsible for hiring... Uh, have a diverse recruitment panel. Try and lessen that affinity bias uh, by having at least one female on the panel. Ensure that um, you have a diverse candidate pool by first avoiding gendered language in jobs. Now, not just we're looking for a bloke to do this, um, but also more masculine words and feminine words. Um, and try and get, yeah, if you can identify someone, maybe put the pile of minority group, female should not be a minority group, but we are in IT, and go through them first. Just give them the, the best chance by going through them first. Flexible hours and parental leave policies work to attract more candidates, especially females. Most females, most part-time workers in Australia are female. And of course, all pay promotions and performance review should be merit-based. Managers making comments about a woman's performance, should be asking themselves, would I make this comment about a male? Would I call a male dogged or would I call him assertive? And depending on the state of your team, you may want to actually take affirmative action and explicitly recruit for a female or minority, which is allowed under the some sort of act. The Equal Opportunity Act. Uh, bringing inequality is not discrimination. It's also worth evaluating and educating yourself on any unconscious biases you may have um, to make sure they're not creeping into your decision-making. 
So you can take these unconscious bias tests online. Uh, the implicit bias test is out of Harvard, um, but even Google and Facebook are doing some pretty good resources. Um, and so what's really interesting, when I first did it, uh, it's one of those things we do like um, words on the left and words on the right and matching them to different things, and it's harder to match more masculine words with a female face, like you're slower at it. Um, and I was slower, and I've actually gotten faster over time. So showing as it's kind of moving to that system one thinking where I can do it quicker than I used to be able to. So we have the ability as designers to make a difference on behalf of those who don't have the opportunity. They depend on us to help them. We have a duty as designers to point out these unconscious biases and assumptions. We need to point out when something might come across as insulting, insensitive, or hurtful. We have to bring the user's view to the design process. That's our job, to make things easier for them. We need to be the advocate <coughs> excuse me, for more empathetic and inclusive design, even if it doesn't always make things organisationally easy for ourselves. It's the right thing to do, and it's for the greater good. Thank you. So before I go to questions, I just want to... Um I want to mention something that I noticed in, like, so, you know, we've been running this since 2009, which means that every year I sit in front of a big box of badges and I put names into badges and I go right through them. And, and, and like, I, have, I would have to go back and think about, like, be, like really analyse this, but the thing I noticed this year was um, fewer Ruth, Matthew, James and Julie, and more, wow, different, not sure how to pronounce it, um, clearly not me, really much more diverse name set. Now, I can't, I can't just say a name set means a thing, but when there's uh, clearly diversity in the names who are here, and then I look around the room and there's more diversity in the skin colours that are here, and there's more diversity in the age ranges that are here, either... People who turn up to UX conferences are getting more diverse, or hopefully people involved in UX are getting more diverse, and hopefully that's good. And that can't be a bad thing. Yeah. Like, that is... Like, when I was doing this year, I was just like, whoa, this is so super cool. We still need better representation from people who have, um, you know, some kind of disability. That's something I can't tell whether we have or not, of course. Mm. Um we, it might just all be hanging around anyway. Yeah. But I thought it was really neat. I thought I'd tell awesome. you that. So yeah, love good it. for us. And questions for Kayla. Yeah, it's, it, it's interesting, the issue about recruiting for diversity. Because mm. um, uh, where I work, we tend to try and get engine. We tend to go through a lot of engineers because, well, just because we do it, they're our major, um, they're the major portion of, of the staff. Um, and so there are women engineers, and, which is great. Obviously, it's not as balanced as it could be. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there was a recent one that went out, and it, and it was quite good, um, until I saw the word craftsman. Mm. And yeah. so then I, said, <laughs> I, I was sending, you know, so then I had to send some tweets around to uh, women engineers I know, asking, so how, how, would, how would you rephrase this? Where would you go? And I ended up having like an hour conversation with HR, <laughs> who are all women, mm-hmm. um, about how, you know, what process do you have to sort of filter through 
what you get that you then have to put out to seek or other agencies um, to try and recruit for. Um, yep. And the one thing I noticed was they didn't actually put it through the women engineers in right. the team already. Yeah. So are there other processes that mm. that are worth putting that filter to and that doesn't sort of insult the people who are of that group. Oh, you're the, you know, you're the woman who's in the team who's an engineer, so therefore yeah. you're an authority on this now. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, so uh, I guess one of the problems can be if HR's writing your ads or the manager and you never see it, um, then these things can kind of slip in. So we've recently, um, we're hiring, uh, but front-end devs, but we may have some here. Um, <laughs> And we made that ad really collaboratively, which is kind of the first time we've done that. Usually it's like, hey, we put the ad out. And so I ran it through things um, like Textio, which is a, a bias-detecting um, program. There's another one called JobLint. Uh, and it kind of goes, hey, this word is, um, is not optimal. You're likely to get fewer female candidates if you use words like this. And so masculine words aren't evil. <laughs> you can say, I want to kill a UXer. That's not the worst thing. Um, but if every word is, I want to kill a UXO, and we've got drones and beer o'clock Fridays, and it's like, oh, maybe this, and fuseball tables, and maybe this culture's not for me. Um, or maybe it is, like, who doesn't like drones? But, yeah, so running it through these tools is a really good way to get an idea of those words, and some of these tools do say, maybe use this phrase instead, so craftsman, uh, I don't know. <laughs> well, Crossman, you, you rephrase yeah. around what is it we really want? Like, what's this about? Yeah. Not what word am I slopping onto the yeah. page, don't you? We're looking for someone who, you know, who proud has of perfected their craft. their craft. Yeah. And another thing is um, the number of um, requirements. If you have more than five, your rate of female applicants just drops right off. Um, because women tend to go, oh, I need to have all five to apply for this job. Whereas men are like, yeah, I can do that. Um, and so if you would hire a guy who didn't have all five of those definitely and they could learn one on the job, then don't have it as required. Have it as part of the role. You'll be doing this kind of stuff. Essential requirements should actually be essential. <laughs> uh, thanks, Carl. That was really great. Um, I, just, I just came from a, a talk before this that uh, talked about um, story writing and persona mm -hmm. development um, where and having a lot of ex some experience in that. It's actually quite hard not to include bias in that, yeah. um, especially when you're trying to, to pigeonhole a user as what, one particular person. You yes. actually have to choose a gender sometimes or mm -hmm. you know, choose certain things that would be, you think, maybe stereotypical. So I'm just wondering if you've had any experience around that and, and other ways around that. Yeah, so um, where I used to work, we had personas and um, we were making systems for uh, retail. So a lot of retail workers are female, so our personas are female. Um, I made their images yellow Simpson characters to avoid race, but I still kind of got feedback that their names are too white. I'm like, really? Rita Rodriguez is too white, but okay. Um, and at Seek, we actually don't use personas. We use a person looking for a job who's just been fired and is having a lot of trouble. We don't actually go, we're designing for Billy, and Billy likes this. So... We've kind of gotten away for personas to try and not get in those traps of thinking of, oh, this is for her or this is for, you know, this white person or this person with disability. Yeah. Uh, that was a lovely talk. Really, really good. <laughs> okay. Um, 
and it sort of interests me in the sort of the psychology behind these things. Mm. The thing I'm sort of always always hitting, you know, the usual sort of thing, hitting your head up against a brick wall. Mm. When management sort of come in and yeah. just get it done, sort of thing, and uh, how do you sort of, uh, I suppose, um, emphasise the need to sort of be really, really positively going towards sort of uh, this non-discriminatory sort of language. Yeah. I mean, it can be really hard. Um, so I was going to say, I have a really supportive manager, but he's not in the room. So not that support, no. But um, so our UX manager is really supportive and has kind of said, I'm, I made that comment about you might make it organisationally difficult for yourself when you're always arguing and you're being the devil's advocate. But when I've got him on my side, it, it kind of helps. So it's like, you know, the UX manager is for it, but maybe the PM is kind of not necessarily for it. And I'm quite a blunt person, um, so I will say things like, oh, cool, so if we don't do this, you don't want us to meet our purpose of helping every Australian get a job. Um, which <laughs> yeah, Probably not the best way to do it. <laughs> right? I mean, I don't know. Yeah, um, but we have been trying to build empathy in the team, so there are two ways we've been doing this. Well, actually, a couple. Um, but one of the recent efforts has been in-home visits with executives of people who are really struggling to find jobs, going into someone's home, seeing how they job search and bringing an executive with us just so they can see it firsthand and get some of that empathy. Firsthand's obviously always best. Making um, photo... Uh, we have photo walls of quotes and actually of the real person who said this so you can kind of empathise with them or video reels of, look, someone's really struggling with this. And we also have this template that says, this is not a persona, this is a real user story. And then, you know, this is blah, she's got spina bifida, she's really struggling to find a job. She doesn't get many interviews, that's just the market at the moment, but when she does get interviews, she sees the recruiter look at her chair and she never feels back and she's like, mm, I feel like this is discrimination. So those kind of things to kind of open everyone's eyes to the issues and the struggles. Lots of aware organisations are doing bias, unconscious bias training yeah. for like across organisations. And, that, and yeah. that's what this is good out of going, wow, there is a thing. We can be conscious of the things. We can learn about the things. We can learn about like what happens in our brains and reactions to yes. stuff that we just do and we're like, okay, I saw that. So even if you're working in organisations and you can encourage an unconscious bias trainer to come in and do some stuff. Yeah, we are help making that as well. Help your seniors do that. Yeah, every, people, every people leader needs to do unconscious bias training. Um, but I, want, I would love to do that for the whole organisation. So we're kind of doing this grassroots level. My colleague Aoife has given a brown bag of this at, um, over lunch at Seek one day and been like, here are some of your biases and here's how we can find them. So, yeah. Well, with that, I'm going to say thank you very much. That was really very amazingly excellent. We hope you enjoyed this presentation from UX Australia 2016. For more presentations from this and other conferences, please visit uxaustralia.com.au.